Have you ever been guilty of seeing something that needs to be done and immediately jumped into the work without asking God, is this your timing? Today, Mark Job talks about the hand of God in the rebuilding process. Begin to understand how God has prepared you for what you're currently doing. When God opens doors, be ready to walk through them, prepared with a specific plan. Welcome to Moody Presents with Mark Job, president of Moody Bible Institute and senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. We are in rebuilding mode here on Moody Presents, where we're learning how we can overhaul our lives, our cities, and our world. Now, a big part of that rebuilding process is timing. You've heard it before, right? Timing is everything. Well, Nehemiah had a burden something that gripped his soul, and he knew he had to act, but there was a patience there as well. When it comes to rebuilding, we can jump in too quickly. So coming up, steps you and I can take while we wait for the proper time. The title of our message today is The Hand of God, and our Bible text is Nehemiah chapter 2. Follow along, and when you have time, why not dig deeper as you study further on your own? Here's Mark Job with today's Moody Presents. Nehemiah is all about rebuilding. Nehemiah was a project manager for a king. He found himself about 500 years before the time of Christ. The city of Jerusalem had been in ruins for 141 years. It was an old problem that God gave a new burden to Nehemiah for. God interrupted his life with a life-changing burden. He hears news about Jerusalem. The gates have been torn down. The city is in ruins. The people are discouraged. The temple is in disarray. People aren't coming to worship God anymore. Their infrastructure is damaged. There's been people that are oppressed economically. There's crime in the streets. There's demoralization among the people. And God gets a hold of Nehemiah 800 miles away from Jerusalem. And suddenly Nehemiah cannot escape the burden of God. Has that ever happened to you? You get a burden that you can't let go of? Maybe you run into a relative of yours that you haven't seen in quite a while, a niece or a nephew, and you discover that they've dropped out of school, that they're hanging around with the wrong people, that they're depressed, getting involved in drugs and other kinds of things. You remember them when they were just a happy little six-year-old and the smile on their face and now they're 18 years old and they're going down and it seems like there's no net there to save them. It seems like if you don't do something, they're going down the drain quickly, but you don't know what to do about it. You feel like my hands are tied. I don't know how to, how to help them. I don't know what to do. I have no experience. I'm not a youth counselor. I just know that I have a burden and someone's got to do something about it. It's a God-given burden. It's a burden that shakes you out of mediocrity, that awakens you out of apathy, that stirs your heart, that grips your soul, that cannot be escaped. I believe that God takes our life and he, he turns good intentions into action. You know, there's a lot of people with good intentions. How many of you know about it? Hey, we all have good intentions. The beginning of this year, a whole bunch of you had good intentions. I'm going to lose 20 pounds. I'm going to get out of debt. I'm going to buy a house. I'm going to finish 
that uh, degree that I started 15 years ago. Uh, life is full of good intentions, but how many of you know there's a difference between good intentions and action? And oftentimes, many of our good intentions stop there at good intentions, a good thought, and we never do anything about it. Well, it tells us in this scripture, in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when the wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it that you want? If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to jot this down, write this down. What happens when God is moving you to do something about ruins? I believe there's ruins in everybody's life. I believe there's piles of bricks in everybody's life. Uh, some of you, uh, your pile of bricks represents your life. And you look at your past and you look at your present and you look at the destruction and the chaos in your family and your finances and your health and your relationships. And if you were to say to me, Pastor, my life is a pile of bricks right now. There's no sense. There's no rhyme. There's no reason. There's no purpose. I am in shambles. There is a mess in my life. Don't raise your hands if that's you, but I'm just kind of nodding your spirit. And I believe that maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your personal life. Maybe it's your community. Maybe uh, whatever pile of bricks is around you, God can awaken you to say you need to do something about the ruin that's there. The first thing I want you to jot down, jot down this principle. When God is turning our good intention to actions, I think the first thing that God speaks into our heart is be faithful where God has placed you and look for the right timing to step out on a God initiative. You, know, so you see, there's something about timing. Uh, some of us see a burden, we know that something needs to be done, but oftentimes we jump into something too quickly without asking God, is this your time? There's something about divine timing. Sometimes God is saying, wait. Sometimes God is saying, in Ecclesiastes it says there's a time to be joyful and a time to be sad. There's a time to build and a time to destroy. There's a time to live and there's a time to die. There's a time to get married. There's a time to be single. There's a time for everything. And the big question is, God, am I in your timing? Notice what Nehemiah says. Nehemiah is a cupbearer, which means that he's the guy that tastes the food and drinks the wine before it's given to the king. Because in those days, it was common that if someone wanted to eliminate someone from royalty, they would poison them. So his job was to taste the wine and eat the food before the king did. And the king, I guess, would just wait a little while, watch him. If he started frothing at the mouth and shaking and turning purple, he'd say, okay, I better not eat that. So it had to be a trusted person. Nehemiah comes before the king. And the king, in, in the days of Nehemiah, it was a crime, punishable by death if you showed sadness in the presence of the king. 
And the king noticed that Nehemiah was sad, and he says, hey, why are you sad? You're not sick, are you? No. And it tells us in verse, uh, the, the end of verse 2, he says, I was very much afraid, but, no, oh, I love that. I was very much afraid, but, you see, here's the thing. If you allow fear to paralyze you, and there's not a but, in spite of my fear, then you will miss God's timing. We get paralyzed by fear when it's time for us to do something, and even though it's God's timing, even though it's the moment, we allow ourselves to miss the moment because fear has gripped us, and instead of thinking about what could go right, we begin to think about what could go wrong. And the Bible says that Nehemiah said, I was very much afraid, but even though I was afraid, I still spoke to the king at that moment, and I said, and I believe that Nehemiah probably lifted up his crackling voice, and he said, yeah, I, 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 king, I, I have something to say. May the king live forever. You know that when someone's going to give you bad news or news that may, you may think you don't like, they always give you a little compliment first, right? You've learned that from your kids. Hey, mom, dinner was really, really good. Now, mom, can, can I just tell you something? You know, you, you, you know when there's a compliment that something bad may follow afterwards, right? So he says, may the king live forever. Why should my face look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruin and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Nehemiah was taking a risk. And he tells the king that there's a burden upon his heart and something needs to be done about this burden he has upon his heart. He jumped through that door of opportunity when God was opening. But I want you to understand that he didn't just duck through that door of opportunity because Psalms 27 verse 13 says, wait for the Lord, be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Nehemiah for four months had waited upon God. And the reason that Nehemiah could overcome his fear is that his heart had grown courageous. That's pretty bold. We're talking about stepping out on a God initiative, something that God is calling you to do. But perhaps there's some fear involved, maybe holding you back. This is Moody Presents with Mark Job. Our message series is called Rebuild, and we're learning from the life of Nehemiah. For more, go to moodypresents.org. There you can listen to any past broadcast. You can share Mark's teaching with a friend, send us an email, and get resources vital to rebuilding in your life. If you've got a smartphone, well, another quick way to get access to Moody Presents Audio is by downloading the free Moody Radio app. It's all at moodypresents.org. No question that Nehemiah had a burden. He was also fearful about the calling that God placed in his heart, but he waited. And when he felt the timing was right, went through a door of opportunity that the Lord provided. But let's you and I hear more of the story. Here again is Mark Job with Moody Presents. But I want you to notice this little phrase, and if your servant has found favor in his sight. You see, here's what I know. 
I believe that Nehemiah, God had placed Nehemiah at the right place at the right time for the right purpose. I want you to hear me really well. Look up at me. You are in a place right now where God is preparing you for your future. You say, well, pastor, I feel like I'm wasting my time. No life lived in God's will is a waste of time. You say, well, I'm at a dead-end job. Do you know that God can even use dead-end jobs to get us ready? I got a lousy boss. Do you realize that God can even use bigoted, biased, oppressive, critical, nasty bosses to do stuff in our life? Do you realize that? I'm in a tough marriage. Hey, do you realize that God uses tough marriages especially to mold our character? I want you to know something right now that you are not wasting your time. If you're living in the center of God's will that God is using whatever life experiences you are going through right now, this moment, this week, to prepare you for the future of what God has called you to. Your experience and your trials will not be wasted if you allow God to use them for His purposes. Life is lived looking forward, but it's understood as we look backwards. Are you tracking with me? You understand life looking forward. That's how you live it. But you really comprehend what's going on as you look backward. I see it in my own life. I never thought if you were to ask me in college, hey, what are you going to be doing 20-some years from now? I'm 43 years old. If you were to ask me when I was 18 years old, hey, do you think you'll be in Chicago? Do you think you'll be planting churches? Do you think you'll be doing a ministry? I would have said, are you crazy? No way. When I was about 18, 19 years old, I was thinking about the medical field. God got a hold of me then a, a little bit later. I was thinking I was going to go back to Europe. I lived in Europe, grew up in, in Europe. That's where I planned to go. I didn't like Chicago, didn't want to be in Chicago. But yet I look back and I say, God was preparing my heart years ago for what I'm doing right now. Little did I know that as God was moving me from country to country, I lived in France for a while, worked here, worked there. Little did I know that our ministry would be multi-ethnic, multicultural, diverse in the city of Chicago. Little did I know that as God was bringing me to school in Chicago, that God was preparing me to stay in Chicago. Little did I know that. Little did I know as I was watching my father plant churches and start works that God would actually use that to help me begin to plant and start other works in the future. Little did I know that what I was living through, God was actually preparing me for what I'm currently doing right here and right now. Isn't it amazing? Little did I know that God was giving me an education to do exactly what I'm doing right now. I didn't understand that. I didn't know. Hey, guess what? Guess what I studied right now? Uh, God opened the doors about a year and a half ago to start a radio program. You know what I studied somewhat in college? Audiovisual communications. Little did I know. In fact, I got out of the field. I said, I'm never going to use this. This is just... Little did I know that I would be in audiovisual communications a few years later. You see, I didn't know all that, but God was using pieces in my history, in my puzzle to prepare me for what I'm doing right now. And every single one of you, I believe, has a similar story. If you were to look at your past and trace how you've gotten the point that you're at, 
Your story is a preparation for your present. And God will use it in your future if you allow him to use it. You see, in Nehemiah, you looked at him, he didn't think much about what he was doing, but yet little did he know that God had prepared him to get the ear of the king, that God was orchestrating circumstances so that as a Jewish individual, son of slaves, that he would grow up in the palace and know very intimately the workings of the king and have favor with the king and have a Jewish background so that one day he could go back to Jerusalem with the resources and blessing and authority of a non-Jewish king to build the city of Jerusalem. Little did he know what God was doing in his life. Look at back at your life. And begin to understand how God has prepared you for what you're currently doing. Thirdly, I want you to jot this down. When God opens doors, be ready to walk through them, prepared with a specific plan. You see, it tells us in Scripture that then the king and the queen sitting beside him. By the way, it's interesting. Some scholars believe that Artaxerxes' wife, when it says the queen, was actually Queen Esther. If you read the book of Esther, she was raised to a prominent position as a Jewish woman, even though the king didn't know he was, she was Jewish when he married her, as a Jewish woman and had a real heart for her people. And some scholars believe that this is actually Queen Esther, or if it's not Queen Esther, then it was Artaxerxes' father or grandfather that had actually married Queen, Queen Esther because they're contemporaries of that time. Then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked me, how long will your journey take, and when will you get back? And it pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. And then I said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of the trans-Euphrates so that they will provide a safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. Give me a passport. And I may have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the king's forest, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence that I occupy and give me all the construction material that I need to rebuild Jerusalem. And because the gracious hand of my God was upon me, the king granted my request. A lot of us spend a lot of time asking for open doors, but very little time figuring out what we're going to do when God actually opens those doors. Some of you young men, you've been praying for five years, oh God, give me a wife. Oh Lord, I really need a good one. Please, Lord, a wife, a wife, I need a wife. You know, Lord, I, you, you, I've prayed, I've fasted, I've pursued, opened the doors. Every church service you go into, every evangelistic meeting you go into, you go to the first service saying, Lord, is she here? <laughs> Show me a sign. And you kind of think there's going to be a little heavenly arrow, this one, this one, this one. <laughs> So you go to the second service, Lord, maybe she doesn't come to the first service. I missed her. She's in the second service. And you've been praying so hard, so long, so, so intently for a wife. But well, hold on, time out, time out. I'm glad you want an open door for a wife. But don't you think you should get a job? <laughs> hey, 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 excuse me, young man. Don't you think like you should move out of your mother's house? 
hey, I know you want a wife, but, but don't you think you should get your act together a bit? Don't you think you should save a little money so that if you actually get married, you're not going to have to ask her dad to pay the bills for the wedding and, and, and get a loan to get a, a wedding ring? Hey, excuse me, young man of God. That's great that you're getting married, but I don't think she's going to fit on the back of your bicycle. Maybe you should get a car that she could ride in. Hey, here's the point, folks. Sometimes we pray for an open door, but we're not prepared for the door that God opens for us. We don't get ready for that open door. We're not prepared for the things that we're praying for. We're asking for an open door, but we're not ready. If God were to throw open that door, we're really not ready for the opportunities that God provides for us. And don't tell me that you're walking by faith, because here's what I find, that oftentimes in the Christian subculture, that faith, the word faith, is used as an excuse for laziness, disorganization, and being ill-prepared for what God brings in our direction. Let's just call it what it is. You're, you're ill-prepared. You're not ready. Don't blame it on God and faith. Just say, hey, I take responsibility. I dropped the ball, man. I overspent. I have no budget. I'm not really ready. Face it for what it is. If God opens the door, you need to be ready and prepared and in place and have things and have a plan because here's what happened. The king said, Nehemiah, what do you need? And I said, Nehemiah said, I'm glad you asked. He pulls out his list. You know, by the way, can I, get a can I get a letter from you to do this? And I need timber for this. And he had been thinking about this. He had a plan. He had something in his mind that was going to happen. Over the years, I've grown a little wiser. And I have to admit that in my younger days, you know, I, I was sometimes said I was moving in faith, but I was just ill-prepared for life. Maybe that's why for the first four months of my marriage, we slept on the floor because I didn't have a mattress. I didn't have a bed. <laughs> Seriously. You can say, oh, that was faith. No, that was foolishness. <laughs> Ill-prepared. If you don't plan and simply say, I'm trusting God, you are walking in foolishness. So what we do is we prepare our plans to the best of our knowledge and we invite God's presence and empower into our plans saying, some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but I will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not on thy own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. You make your plans, but you invoke the presence and the power of God to, to orchestrate your plans and to go ahead of you because you can make the best plans in the world, but unless you invite God, they're nothing. Amen? That's what it tells us in Psalms, and that's what it tells us in Proverbs. In fact, you might want to jot this verse down. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, it says, In his heart a man plans his course, but God determines his steps. In Proverbs 19, 21, it says, Many are the plans of man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Proverbs 14, verse 8, out of the Living Version, I love this. It says, the wise man looks ahead. The fool attempts to fool himself and won't face the facts. I love that. So what I'm saying to you is that we need to plan ahead. We need to prepare for God what God opens. If God opens a door, are you ready to begin to rebuild? Do you have a plan? Do you have something in place? And lastly, I want you to write this down. This is huge. The favor of God will open unexpected doors, but remember that opposition 
will quickly follow. Here's what I want you to understand. Not everybody wants you to rebuild the ruins. It tells us in verse 10, when Sambalat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite official, heard about this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. Some people have a vested interest in keeping you and your family and your neighborhood and your city in ruins. Every time that God wants to rebuild, there will be people that will rise up, some close to you, some far, some friends, some enemies, some family, some people you don't even know that will rise up and resist any work of God that tries to rebuild lives, families, and communities. Just expect opposition, so you might as well get used to it. But by God's power and his name, I will rebuild. Pastor Mark Job teaching us today from the first few chapters of Nehemiah. And boy, we hope this series is an ongoing encouragement to you as together we explore the necessary steps to rebuild critical areas of your spiritual life. God worked through the obedience of Nehemiah. However, he also worked through the wrongly motivated, wicked hearts of his enemies, as we'll see next time when we continue with part two of The Hand of God. A reminder to stay connected. To hear any program again or get in touch with us, go to moodypresents.org. That's moodypresents.org. Our email address, and we'd love to hear from you, is moodypresents at moody.edu. How is this program impacting your own walk with Jesus? Email us at moodypresents at moody.edu. I'm John Gager, and on behalf of Dr. Mark Job, thank you for listening to Moody Presents, a production of Moody Radio and a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.